I'll tell you, we're in a series called Know What You're For. Say for. I'm so, I'm so sick of hearing what people are against, aren't you? I'm so sick of watching people bicker and fight and scream about, I want this, but I want that. Well, how about what you're for? What are you for? I don't want to hear what you're against. I want to hear what you're for. Because when you're for something and I'm for something and then we partner together, we can make a big difference. So that's what this series is all about. And today, well, let me start by saying this. What do you think the number one thing, because we get prayer requests all the time at the church. What do you think the number one thing is that people ask for? What do you think? Just, just shout it out. What? Money? Yeah, money's a big one. Jesus talked about it more than anything else, so money's a big deal. What else do you think people pray for? Healing, health, healing. Uh, funny you should mention that because that's kind of where we're going to park today. Uh, healing is the number one thing people pray for or, or ask us to pray for as a church. You just, and, and, and I get it. People get sick, people that you love, people you care about, maybe even you at times that you get sick, especially in the climate that we're in right now and that we've been in for 18 months. There's a lot of prayer for healing. And, and sometimes people get, I mean, sometimes people ask us to even pray for their pets. I'm not kidding, they do. And I always ask them, well, what kind of pet you got? And if they say it's a cat, I'm like, I'd be good, you know. So I'm kidding. I just, I'm, okay, anyway. So um, I, I do get it. Like, I never, I never thought I would until we got a dog. Like, years ago when my, our kids were little, and we, we brought home Jack. See, Jack was a cute little Westie, a West Highland Terrier, a cute little white dog. And he had a disease because, of course, we picked the one with a disease. And so we had to give him like a pill every day because, you know, Addison's disease or something. But Jack, we fell in love with him. He's part of our family. And I remember praying for healing for him. Because one day, Jack went out on the back like he always did. And he was going to go potty out there. And as Jack was going potty, he like tipped over sideways like this. Now, I didn't tell Jack to play dead. So I don't know what he's doing out there, but I got real nervous because he wasn't moving. So I ran out there and rushed and, and, and got Jack, and just like he was my firstborn son, I'm like, oh my God. So I bring him in my car, and I drive as fast as I can to the veterinarian, and I get there. And you guys, I don't remember what I said, but I, I think it was something like I walk in there with my dog, and I think it was something like this. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, just, just give us the dog, sir. Okay. <laughs> And they're like, my gosh, they almost gave me a tranquilizer. So anyway, so they take Jack, and they have him for a couple days because there's, it's serious. So they got him on who knows what, tubes and IVs and all this stuff. And a couple of days later, we go in there, and, and, we've been, and I, I was praying in the car. I was praying like during those days when we didn't know what was going on. And, and we believed in God, and we believed in his healing power. So when they called me in, they're like, hey, you know, he's been here a couple days. Here's what's going on with Jack. And I was like, yes. And they're like, you know what, your dog Jack? I said, yes, he's going to die. I was like, oh, I mean, what? He's going to die. So we had to make the decision. We could have kept him alive, but it wouldn't have been good for him or probably for us. So we put him down. And then they almost had to put us down, right? I mean, we struggled. And it was very difficult. In fact, it was so difficult for our family that we, we didn't get another a dog until many, many years later, until after we moved to, to the Omaha area. Now, we had some pets in between, but they, I don't know if they counted. Like, Ava, remember when you wanted that, that robo-hamster? Now, when she said, I want a robo-hamster, you know what I thought? Oh, my gosh, how cool. Yes, part robot, part hamster. Okay, that's not what it is. Was I disappointed? It's like a midget hamster, okay? Whatever. So, so Bubbles, Bubbles, I don't know why. Bubbles made it two weeks, okay? Two weeks, and we're out in the backyard doing a funeral for Bubbles, okay? I, it took, uh, there's a reason our neighbors kept moving. We're out there doing a funeral. Ava, you forgot we even buried Bubbles. We did. And I led the service. And I'm like, God, thank you for the two 
weeks that we had with Bubbles. And, you know, we miss him running the wheel in his little cage. Now he runs the wheel in heaven. And it's like, okay, whatever, God. Just, he's dead. It's a, it's a rodent. So, um, but I get the pet thing. And I get the healing thing. And I need to tell you something. Even though Bubbles, well, he didn't have a chance. But even though Jack didn't make it, or little Westy after his 10 years of life, we know this. I, I need to tell you that Jesus is for healing. Okay, Jesus is for healing. In a, in a world full of sickness, in a world full of disease, I need you to know that Jesus is for healing. And I'm going to show that to you. So, so he, Jesus doesn't waste any time. Like, he starts healing people right away in his ministry. In fact, one of the first people Jesus healed was Peter's mother-in-law, right? And you know that's why most scholars believe that Peter would deny Jesus three times, you know? I mean, you got, you got in-laws, and then you got outlaws, right? Well, outlaws are wanted, but in-laws... Uh, anyway, so um, he'll, he'll, when you're driving home, you're going to laugh at that because that was good. So we, Jesus is for healing. He healed all over the Word of God. He would see people. He would have compassion. And many times he would heal them. So, but you need to understand something about when Jesus healed people, those people knew they needed healing. So you, until you're broken, you really won't go to get healing. I wrote it down this way. You have to recognize you're broken before you can be healed. Last week's service. Okay, if you missed it, it's, it was called Injustice for All. If you missed it, uh, watch it on YouTube. Watch it on Facebook or our, our streaming platforms. At the end of the service, I had many of you write down confessions. Write down things that maybe you've done or that you're doing. I mean, I was blown away. You brought them up here, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because the first step is confession. The first step is admission, and then you can step into healing. And so many of you did that, and I was just, I was blown away. So this is almost a continuation of last week's message, but if you missed last week, I promise this message stands alone as well. I want to preach to you today out of the Gospel of Luke. Um, it's in the New Testament. The Gospels, they tell the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke 17, verse 11 is where I begin. The story's nuts, you guys. The story is, is Jesus, and he heals in this story but, but maybe not like you think he would heal. It's so crazy. God is going to speak to you. Luke 17, 11. I'm going to read it all. To, I'm just going to read the whole thing to you, and then we'll break it down together. Let me read the whole thing, just as I see it in the Word of God. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached a border between Galilee and Samaria. Okay? He, he excuse me, as he entered the village there, ten men who were sick, they had leprosy, they stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to a priest. Okay. As they went to the priest, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, one of the ten, uh, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He falls at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. And that man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, well, didn't I heal ten? Didn't he heal ten guys? Where's the other nine? I mean, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to that man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's break it down. The very first verse, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he reached a border between Galilee and Samaria. I think we have a map, and the map's going to show you that you got Galilee, and then you got Samaria, and then you got Judea, okay? So Judea, that's, that's you know, Judea's like Bethlehem is there, and Jerusalem is there, but then in Galilee up here, that's where 
Galilee up there, that's where Nazareth is. That's where Jesus, like as a boy, he grew up. So, and then the middle of Samaria. So Samaria, a devout Jew would never really go through Samaria. If they were in Galilee, they'd go across the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee. They'd go down, and then they'd come across to go back into Judea. They would not go through Samaria. Why? Because Samaria, well, racism, again, it's been around a long time. Samaria was a mixed race. They, they were, the, many Samaritans were part Jew, part Gentile. And, and devout Jews, fully-blooded Jews, didn't, didn't like that. They had nothing to do with that. They were better than that. But, but it, it, so, so they would do anything to avoid that route. Kind of like, okay, kind of like say you're grocery shopping, and, and you're, you turn down an aisle, and you see somebody you don't like. Oh, my God. And then you jump three aisles down, and then you spend the, the rest of that 45 minutes playing hide-and-seek, trying to avoid them in the store. Okay, maybe you don't do that. I'm sure it's somebody else that does that. Well, maybe you have a, a, maybe it's you that you get on the phone, and you pretend like you're talking to somebody so you don't have to talk to them. You ever done that? Of course, no, we've never done that. You have that friend, LaRonda, that really doesn't even exist. You're like, hey, LaRonda, how you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm on the phone. It's LaRonda, I can't, I can't talk right now. You know, you don't, there, LaRonda doesn't exist, okay? If you ever see me out and you hear me talking to LaRonda, what does that mean? I, you, you, you can figure it out. So anyway, so, but they did anything to avoid that area. But Jesus, who was a devout Jew, Jesus wasn't any Jew. Okay, Jesus was actually the king of the Jews. And Jesus wasn't just any king, but Jesus was the king of kings. And he was the Lord of lords. And Jesus didn't just love the Jewish people, but Jesus came for all people. So Jesus, and he had an appointment with ten men. And he knew it, and it was divine. Just like God has an appointment with you today. With you watching and listening, I guarantee you God wants to do something just like Jesus wanted to do something in their life. So check it out. So, so, so Jesus enters the village. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying, Master, have mercy on us. So leprosy, if you don't know, it was a very bad disease back in the day. A flesh-eating like disease that people would literally lose fingers and toes and um, it, it, it wasn't good. It was bad. In fact, <laughs> it was so bad that when you had leprosy, if you stepped into a crowd or you were entering the presence, notice they shouted at Jesus from a distance. Do you know why? Because they had it. So the Levitical law said if you got leprosy and you're approaching a crowd or people, you got to announce it. <laughs> Think of how embarrassing. Unclean! Unclean! That would be, okay, in today's context, that would be like you going into a, a restaurant and, and, and coughing all over, COVID! COVID! Okay? You would clear the room out and probably get a table pretty quick, but, you, you know, you scare people. That's what they had to do. They had to announce to everybody that they were unclean. So, so they shouted Jesus from a distance. And it, so what's crazy is what Jesus said. He says, go and show yourselves to a priest. Well, that's weird because, and the reason he said that is because if leprosy ever went into remission, which in some cases it would, a person would have to go see a priest, and the priest would examine them and say, okay, yeah, you're good to go. You're, you've gone from unclean to clean. So Jesus is saying, go show yourself to a priest, but they still got these sores all over their body. And they're like, we, you haven't done anything. Like, we're still sick. Like, we, they hadn't been cured yet, and Jesus is telling them to go see a priest. It didn't make sense, but that's faith, right? So, it, see, faith doesn't make sense. So faith is like it's taking a step when you don't see it. Faith is like going when you don't know and that's exactly what they did so they go and they didn't know and you can and it, and it says here and this is the biggest one of the biggest scriptures and as they went turn to your neighbor and say as they went 
Tell your neighbor as they went. Online, type in the chat right now. Type as they went. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. That is huge. Because it would have been, it would have been easy for them not to go. They could have easily said, this is the end of Jesus' ministry, by the way. So they would have heard maybe stories about Jesus healing people, Jesus touching people. They would have heard stories about Jesus healing people, and they weren't even in his presence. They were somewhere else. He couldn't even see them and heal, heal them. But can you imagine them when Jesus said, hey, go to a priest. I bet they got ticked. What? You, heal us. Take care of us. Touch us. And then we'll go and do, we'll do that. But Jesus, why would you tell us to go? And you haven't done anything. But they go. By faith they go. And as they go... They're healed as they go. I mean, so, so we, we want to see the results right now. God's, Jesus is saying, you need to go. We need to take a step. When you step, you'll start to see healing. When you, when you start to get obedient, then you'll start to see the healing. And can you just picture the ten lepers? They're walking, and all of a sudden Jim's like, hey, hey, hey. Guys, guys, my, my pinky. Remember how it was hanging off my hand earlier? It's attached. It's attached. Jim's all happy, and Jim's like, Bob, Bob, your face. You had that huge guy, you had that crater in your face. I mean, I mean, you're still kind of ugly, but, it's, but this is healed. This is healed, Bob. I mean, it's so good. They're getting healed as they go. So they knew they had an issue, and they took a step towards healing. See, knowing is the first step. Knowing you have issues. Knowing things, you, some things in your life aren't quite right. So how many here in the presence of God can admit you that you got issues? Right? Raise your hand. You got issues? Okay, if you're next to somebody with their hand down, okay, t call them a liar right now. Okay, right now. In the name of Jesus, you're lying. So, yes, we've got issues. I wrote this down. I said, unless you take a step towards healing those issues, nothing changes. And nothing ever will. So, so if they don't take a step, do they get healed? Right, they don't. What if the leper said... Forget it. You didn't heal me. I ain't going to a priest. I'm going this way. If they go that way, did they get healed? No. They had to step in obedience to what Jesus said, and then the healing happened. Are you starting to see how Jesus works by faith? So they, they, you got to take a step. But, but in the desire, say desire. See, when the desire becomes greater than the dysfunction, when the desire becomes greater than your disability, then you find hope, then you find healing. That's when it happens. I wrote down, if you're serious about pursuing God's healing, he'll meet you wherever you are. If you are serious about it, and then you take a step towards it, well, I don't know why I got to take any kind of a step. Jesus is enough, right? Some, some people would believe, well, having faith in Jesus is enough. I don't, need to, I don't need to take a pill, and I don't need to do this, or go to the doctor, or whatever. Jesus is good enough. Okay, let me put it in context. Because Jesus is enough, no doubt. And Jesus is enough to take care of all your struggles. But can we agree that Jesus, he uses different methodologies, different avenues to heal? He will. But to say just Jesus is enough, that's kind of almost naive. That'd be like, to illustrate it, let's say that you and I go hunting. Okay, well, that's your first mistake, by the way. But you and I go hunting, and, and I, in this story, I'm a, better, I'm a better hunter than you are. And why? Because I have the mic and I'm telling the story. So anyway, so we're hunting and you, I'm bad, but you're worse. And you somehow mistake me for a pheasant, which I don't even get, and you shoot me. Okay, so I'm down, bleeding out in the field. And you come over and you're like, oh, Jesus is enough. Right? Oh, I, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. You're so serious, you're turning Jesus into a 14-syllable word. Oh, God, we know that Jesus is all we need. 
Okay, you know what I'm thinking? Here's what I'm thinking, and what I might even say to you. Unless Jesus is driving the freaking ambulance here, call 911, okay? That's what I'm thinking. That's what's going on. Nine o'clock is a little, little bit light today. Come on, we gotta get, let's get going. Let's get going, get some coffee, get some sugar. Um, you, so Jesus is enough, but Jesus uses methods. Jesus uses different avenues. Jesus does different things with different people. In this case, Jesus told the 10 lepers, go find a priest. And will you trust me and be obedient? Will you take a step when you don't see the healing? Will you? And that's what he's asking you today. Let's finish the story. Remember, one of them came back. Remember? One of the ten comes back healed, shouting, praise God, falls at the feet of Jesus. Notice the posture. Falls at the feet. And it, it, that, is, that is a posture of surrender. That is a posture of worship. Falls at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. Oh, I love how Luke adds. He didn't have to add this, but he did. Because it's important. The man was a Samaritan. So, so, so by him saying that, you know what that tells me? Not all the men were Samaritans. Otherwise, he wouldn't have noted that. And he noted it, why? Because, because the last person that would ever come back to a Jew and, and admit anything or fall at their feet, are you kidding me? That would, that would disgust them. Or ever even acknowledge that the healing came through them, the last person that would ever do that would be a Samaritan to a Jew. But Jesus changes people, doesn't he? Not just outwardly, but inwardly. And this man, this Samaritan, falls at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus is like, dang, hold on, hold on here. Didn't, didn't, I, didn't I take care of 10 of you guys? Well, like, I'm, I mean, I'm no, I'm no mathematician, but I don't see 10. I see one. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up. And go, your faith has healed you. All ten men are healed. One comes back to acknowledge, give glory, thank Jesus for what he's done. And, 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 and we can think to ourselves, how could they? How could, how could nine just get what they want and leave? But Because but I, I, I felt that way when I read the story. And God quickly reminded me, Monty, how many times have I done something good in your life? You don't acknowledge it was me. I do it all the time, every day probably. I mean, can we agree that... Every, well, the Bible says that every good gift comes from God. So and you've had good things happen in your life, I promise you. They happen every day. They happen all the time, that, that more than we acknowledge. And how many times do we not say a word or even acknowledge God and thank him for all the answered prayers? Well, I'm quick to point out the ones that he doesn't do. Our dog is dead, God. Okay, but what about all the other, you know, we, we, I sometimes miss that. See, I'm quick to pray to God when I need something, but are you quick to praise him when you get it? See, that's the difference. One was, nine weren't. It's a, it's a big deal. Not because I said it, Jesus said it. Where are the other nine? Like Jesus expected it. Not because he's all pompous in here or anything, but because when you acknowledge what God has done in your life, see, God likes that. God wants, because it's relational. This guy comes back, he falls at the feet of Jesus because, because there was something more than just getting something from Jesus. It was something more. So, so it hit me. I, I, it, this hit me so hard this week. And I'm going to share it with you. Because, okay, and I'll share it from a, a church context, because that's what I know, being a pastor. Uh, in ministry, many people will come for help. Many do. And I love that. They should. That's, the church is here to be that beacon of light and help and hope. And they'll come for help in a marriage. And they'll come for help with maybe finance. Or they'll come for help with their kids that they don't, they don't talk to and they don't have a relationship with. And they'll come for help. 
And, and I'll tell you something, and I wrote it down. I said, and we do this, we point them to a direction of hope, healing, and purpose, because that's who we are as a church. And everything that we're going we're gonna to provide is, is going to be grounded in Scripture. That's just who we are. We just believe in the Word of God. So here's what happens, and I'm just telling you, because it's so, because in my head I thought, I, I, I thought God, nine out, nine out of ten probably do one of these two things. And as soon as I said nine out of ten, I thought, hmm, nine out of ten lepers did the exact same thing. And here's, here's what happens. Um, nine out of ten people, and this is just, I'm just, I've been in ministry quite a while. I'll tell you, nine out of ten will do one of two things. When we sit them down and we say, okay, here's what's going on. We pray with them. We put, put them on a path that leads towards life. Nine out of ten will do one or two things. Number one, they'll do nothing. Right? They'll do nothing. And that's, that's common because you kind of get paralyzed. It's like, this is all I've ever done. And now you want me to do this and this and this. And they do nothing. So they come and it's too much work. And, I, and we, just like my counselor reminded me, hey, Monty, it took you about 15 years to jack your life up, you drug addict. But you want, you want your life back in a day. You want everything healed in 10 minutes. But you spent years ruining it. So, so sometimes when we get dysfunctional, messed up, which, hello, I'm there many times, we, we want it back right away. And when the road's too hard, why? You want me to go find a priest? Forget it. I'm out. I'll just come over here and watch my limbs fall off. And how many? So, but it happens. I, it hit me so hard. So the first thing people will do is nothing. They're just, they, they, you tell them kind of a, a process. It's like, ah, that's too much. But until that desire, say desire. Until that desire becomes greater than your dysfunction. When the desire becomes greater, hopefully you'll want it. When you are broken enough, I told one gentleman, I, I pray that you're broken someday. He may never want me to pray for him again. <laughs> I said, I just, pray, I just pray you get broken because you won't change until you do. And I know that because that was my story. So number two, the nine out of 10, they'll get immediate help and then they're gone. That was the nine in the story, right? Oh my gosh, we're walking. Oh my gosh, look at me. I'm all put back together. A priest, I'm good, good, gone. And they're on living their life on their terms. But yet Jesus is wondering, wait a minute. I thought we were going to do things together. I thought you'd come back and we would, we'd talk to each other and you'd tell me more of your story and we'd get relational and I'd love you and you'd love me. But that didn't happen. And this is so common. And I don't take it. I, I just love people. I'll point, them to, I'll point them to scripture, tell them what to do. But again, we want the quick fix. That's our selfishness in us. Fix me quick. And if they get, uh, they get help in the moment, maybe, they, they, maybe the rent gets paid or the bills or the lights get turned back on and boom, they're gone. And I'm like, but, but I wanted to set you up for long-term success. I wanted to set you up for abundant life. Not, not just, I didn't want to just feed you for a day. I wanted to help feed you for the rest of your life. But, but, but it doesn't happen that way. So they get what they want. And I wrote it down. So the nine, they really weren't pursuing God because everything I'm going to offer you, the God will be the center of it. I promise you that. He's way better than anything I could ever give you. So, but, but the nine... In the examples I'm giving you, they're not really pursuing God. They're pursuing what God will give them. They're, 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 they're not pursuing God, but they're pursuing what they can get from God. doesn't make them bad people. I've done the same thing. God, I want the miracles, but I'm not going to really hang out with the miracle worker. I'm not really going to, we're not going to really talk that much, but I want you to do something in my life. I've been there. You know what I thought about when I thought about miracles? Because I've seen God do so many. I wrote it down. Miracles are never the end. Like, they're, they're always a means to an end. Did you know that? Miracles are never the end of the story. You read the word of God, you'll see it. Miracles are never the end of the story. They're always a means to an end. Miracles are always a setup for something better. You maybe have never heard this before. I never have either until God showed me. And then, and then he immediately brought me to some miraculous things in the word of God. 
let's take the biggest miracle. What's the biggest miracle? Well, someone being dead and then alive. That's a pretty big one. So Lazarus was a great friend of Jesus. So Lazarus was dying. His sisters, who, they're all good friends of Jesus, they, they send a message to Jesus and they say, hey, Lazarus is on his deathbed, Jesus. We know who you are. You come, you touch him, you do whatever you need to do, and he'll be good. And Jesus doesn't do it. Jesus doesn't do the miracle right then. He literally waits purposely a couple more days until Lazarus is good and dead. And then Jesus shows up. Well, well, what are you doing here now, Jesus? It's too late. The miracle can't happen now. He's dead. We told you days ago. He's been dead for days. And what does Jesus do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. I thought about that this week because we think, oh my gosh, Lazarus, you're so lucky. You went from being dead to being alive. And then I thought, was he really lucky? I mean, Lazarus had to die twice. I don't even want to go once, I don't think, you know? I'm like, God, just do it quick, please. You know, Lazarus had to die twice. I'm picturing it. Lazarus is in heaven. He's hanging out. He's playing Texas Hold'em with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he's winning. He's even winning. And, and he's there and he's got a perfect body. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus is like, crap. I don't want to leave. Are you kidding? I'm in heaven. And I'm winning. I'm going to take Moses' money. I don't want to go, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus is like, oh my gosh. All right, he gets up. Wrap me up, guys. They wrap him up in his grave clothes. Lazarus is like, uh, uh. He's like, come out. Uh. All of a sudden, he goes from smelling good to stinking, right? Because he's he dead four days. You stink, or as King James says, he stinketh, right? So he stinketh, bad. So Lazarus goes from death to life only to die again. Why did Jesus do that? I'll show you why. Because miracles are always a setup for something greater. God, you think miracles are such a big deal. They're nothing to God. God, God is in the business of doing above and beyond what we can dream or imagine. Look at the Lazarus story. I'll give you a couple verses. He said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus has to leave heaven and, and, and go back to earth. Listen, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe you sent me. So it, the miracle wasn't about Lazarus. It wasn't. It wasn't even about Mary, about Mary and Martha. They believed in Jesus. The miracle was about everybody else around watching. It wasn't about bringing Lazarus back to life. It was about bringing other people to Christ. That's what the miracle was about. You'll, you'll read the Bible differently when you see these things. Like there's always more to the story. So I think to myself, okay, and here's one of the main things I want you to take away. We don't seek God because we want something from him, or better yet, we need something from him. We seek God because we need him. You don't seek God. God, I need something from you. I need this healing. I need this job. I need my kid. I need the, okay, yeah, that's great. You can pray. But that's, if that's the only reason you're seeking him, and you don't know that you need him, you're missing out. You are missing out. The nine got healing, but they missed out. And healing doesn't always happen the way we think it should, does it? You prayed for the illness, they're still sick. You prayed for the cancer to go into remission, well, it's, it's, it's still not. You prayed for the person to get well, well, and they're dead, right? So you've had those stories, I've had those stories. And I thought about this, you know, having faith doesn't mean you won't be frustrated. Having faith, see, frustrated, frustration and faith go hand in hand. We always think, oh, people of great faith, they're not, they're not wavering, they're not doubting, they're not. Trust me. Trust me. There is frustration in faith. They go hand in hand. The next series that we're going to preach in a few weeks will show you that. 
But I'll tell you this, as you pray and things might not be going your way, it doesn't mean they're not going God's way. It doesn't mean they're not going God's way. God will never waste your faith. He never has and he never will. And God is working on your behalf when you don't think he's working at all. He is, I promise you. Don't you give up your faith. Don't you give up what God is doing. Mary and Martha, they thought, Jesus don't care. Our brother's dead. Did Jesus care? You better believe he cared. So, see, sometimes you have to look past your, your pain. Sometimes you have to look past your past. Sometimes you have to look past your plans in order to see God's purpose. I'm telling you, his thoughts are not your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. And you should actually praise God for that because his ways are so much better. His ways are so much bigger. His plans are so much bigger. They are. God wants to do something. So the last verse got me. It got me this week. Luke 17, 19. Jesus says to the man that comes back to worship him, get up, stand up and go. Your, your, your faith has healed you. And I'm like, I don't get it. Jesus, he was already healed. He was healed when he walked towards the priest. What do you, what do you mean? It's like, Jesus, are you healing him again? I don't get it. I, I was really confused. So I had to do a little digging. I had to get a little geeky and go to the Greeky. And go to the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament. I looked at that word healed because I thought, he was already healed. That's why he came back to you and gave you glory. What are you talking about, Jesus? I looked up that word. The word in the Greek is sozu. Say sozu. I love when you talk Greek to me. I love it. Sozu. That's what that word is. So sozu. I researched and I found, wherever that, I found in the Bible where that, where that word is also used. By Luke, because he's writing this gospel. And I found it. Another story. It's where a woman busts in. Maybe you heard it. And she, she, throws, she throws perfume on Jesus' head and on his feet. Really expensive perfume. And then she falls and she's washing his feet with her hair. Just a crazy story. Now this woman, if you looked at her from the outside, you think, she don't need nothing. She don't need healing. Oh, maybe not on the outside. She was desperate for healing on the inside. She was dead on the inside, broken on the inside. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. She had shame on the inside. She was carrying guilt on the inside from sins and mistakes in her past. And she does this thing. And the same root word, I'll read this scripture. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has sowed so. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So, so sozu is a Greek word translated saved, healed, delivered. So the word refers to the complete package of salvation, deliverance, and healing. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that nine men were healed physically. One was healed spiritually. Nine men went to a priest to get cleansed. One man went to the Son of God, and he got saved by the high priest. That's what I'm telling you. This man in this moment is saved. That's why Jesus said, get up, Sotsu, get up. You've been healed, and not only that, you've been saved by the Son of God. It blew me away. See, we've got to stop living like this world is all there is. Oh, if there's a prayer I have for our church, I got a lot of them. This is one. That you will see this world for what it is, temporal. Do you want to make an impact? Absolutely. But is this your home? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I read a, a book, uh, Francis Chan. I've read many of his books. He's a pastor. And I read one of his books six months ago, and he put a paragraph in there. It was crazy. He said that when he was pastoring this church, they brought a man in 
that was dying of cancer. And, and, and the man actually came in, and he wanted the elders to anoint him with oil and pray for healing over him, which is a biblical thing. So it makes sense. But Francis, the pastor, said something. He said, before we prayed, I asked the man a question I normally don't ask. I asked him, why do you want to be healed? I asked him, why do you want to stay on this earth? <laughs> I wonder if the prayer party kind of stopped right there. It's like, what the heck? So he asked that. He said the man as well as everybody else around seemed a bit surprised that I would ask such a blunt question. It's interesting, and I don't know the story, and I don't know how that ended. I want to ask him someday, but do we want physical healing? Yeah, man, we pray for that for people. But, I, I've, but this isn't our home, too. And I've seen people pray for their 97-year-old grandma. Okay, grandma looks rough. Grandma's 97, and you're over here pleading to get two more weeks with her. Does grandma want two more weeks with you? I, she looks like she might want to be done. So I just, I'm just, we are so, we hold on so much to this world. One of the most prolific stories in the four-year history of our church is the trailer getting stolen and burnt up. Many of you know that story. If you don't ask somebody, they'll tell you it's, it's, it's a, what do they call it, a humdinger? It's a humdinger of a story. It is a humdinger. So our church and everything in it gets stolen and burnt up and, uh, Many of you know that one of the guys that did it, Mike, is now part of our church. He, he's been saved. He's been baptized. Many of his family members now come, and it's just crazy. So Mike's dad, what you maybe don't know is Mike's dad came to church about a month and a half ago for the first time in 40 years. 40 years. Mike's dad comes here. I get to meet him. He sits. He comes to the first service. After he gets done, I'm like, I'm like Gary, what would you think? It's like, ah, it's kind of loud. I said, yeah, we get that way. Just turn your hearing aid down. It'd be good. So um, <laughs> he was awesome. Great sense of humor. Great personality. But Gary was also dying. He had, a, he had an illness with kidneys and liver and stuff like that. So the fact that he was here was amazing. 40 years. You know he came back the next week? Did you know after he came the second time, he came back the third time? That third time was the last time he came. After the third time he came, he was no longer able to come because of his illness. But that third time, we preach the gospel every weekend in the church. You'll never stop hearing it, ever, I promise. So we preach it, and Mike has a conversation with his dad after church. Because his dad, like many of you and many of me, people like me, grew up believing, hey, if I live a pretty good life, I'd be good and go to heaven. But Mike's been around the block with Meadows a few times to know that it's, it's not about being good. Let me ask you a question. The leper that came back to Jesus, did Jesus say, get up, your faith, is, your, your, your faith has healed you? Did he say that because the leper was good? No. I, I don't know if that leper was good. or I don't, didn't say anything about him. You know why Jesus healed him? It wasn't because the leper was good. He healed him because Jesus was good. So Mike's having a conversation with his dad. And his dad is like, oh, I'm good, good person. And Mike starts to lay out the gospel. And dad, it's not about what you've done or what you've not done, but it's about who you know. And he starts to describe a personal relationship with his Jesus that you fall at the feet of Jesus and he'll embrace you and he'll love you and he'll walk with you and he'll cry with you and he'll do life with you. And that when you have a personal relationship and the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you are healed. You are so-so. You are saved. And in that moment, in that moment, Mike's dad gives his life to Jesus Christ. And here's what's even bigger. And here's what's even bigger. Last Saturday, so last Saturday, Mike calls me. He's like, Monty, I gotta tell you something. 
my mom and I just baptized my dad at home. And I was like, oh my God, you baptized your dad? And the next day, his dad died. This world is their own. To know where his dad is. Does the family hurt and grieve? Of course. In our temporal sense, of course. But do you think Mike has a peace and the family can have a peace about them knowing that he declared his allegiance and his love for Jesus Christ? Changed lives change lives. I'll say it again. Changed lives change lives. You want to you want you want to know what attracts a lost world to a local church? You know what's really attractive? When they come and they see that life change is happening. That's what's attractive. When they come and they see that hurts are being healed, they like that. When they see that hope is being restored, they like that. When they see dead people coming back to life, they like that. When they see lost people coming home, they like, do you like it? Give it praise. Give it praise. I want it. We want it. We thank you. So, healing is way more than physical. Healing is way more than physical. That pastor laid it on the line, Francis did with his, with that man. And I don't know what happened there, but what if, let's just do a scenario. Let's say that you have a young child. Your young child is terminally ill. They're dying. You know that we'll do whatever we can to be there with our kids. And we would, we would give our life in place of theirs. You would and I would. But this child, there's no hope. But an angel comes. And an angel says to you, the Lord said this, that if you want, we can heal your child. And your child will live to be 94 years old. And your child will live a full life. And you'll spend time together. And you'll do life together until, until you die. I'll do it right now. But, but I need to tell you something. Let me give you some foretelling. Your child, who right now is very young, is going to grow up. And though they're not a bad person, according to the world, they don't, your child will never surrender their life to Jesus. So I can save your child now. I, I, I can heal your child now and you'll spend forever in this world with them. Not forever, but this world. Or your child can die tomorrow, but be in heaven. Don't answer out loud. Don't put it in the chat. Because in, in our Christianese, sitting in church, well, of course, pastor, take the child, and the child will be in heaven forever. And that's the right answer. But would you? See, m m I believe that most wouldn't. As your pastor, I'd probably wrestle pretty darn hard as a parent. The decision to let the child die is the correct decision because this world was never the child's home. And the child will live trillions of years in a paradise that you and I can't fathom. And here's the other kicker. If you were, as a parent, were to give your life to Christ and sell out to Jesus Christ, you would spend forever with that child. If you start thinking eternally and not temporally, can you start thinking differently? Can we start thinking differently together? We are in this together. Oh, I'm gonna share something. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna breach any confidentiality, but 
last weekend when you shared your confessions? After service, I'm out in the Welcome Center. Okay. A woman comes up to me and she says, I forgot to write something on my card. And she says, I took a child's life. Tears streaming down her face. She said, I was, I regret it all the time. I think about it. Why? I didn't know Jesus then. So she's talking about an abortion that she had. And you know what she says to me though? Here's what she says, crying. Here's what she says. I'll see him again. And she will. We're in it together. What isn't healed on earth will be healed in heaven. I promise you. So we won't give up. We won't give in. This isn't the end of the story. Can I tell somebody this is not the end of the story? I read the end of the book. I don't know if you have or not. It's different. It's different than what you might know. Revelation is the last book. Revelation 21.4. You know what the end of the story is? He says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. And there will be no more pain. All these things are gone forever. In the end, God wins against sickness. God wins against darkness. God wins against depression. God wins against anxiety. God wins against COVID. God wins against cancer. Your future victory is greater than your present pain. Just remain standing. I'm going to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's real simple. We're sick and we sin. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless, Lamb of God, if you will, the final sacrifice. That's why he's called that. And God sent him to die on a cross. Jesus did it for you. Jesus died on that cross to take away all your sins. This is what Mike would explain to his dad, that, that, that they're taken care of when you just call on Jesus and ask him to come into you and make you new. And the greatest thing about the crucifixion is that it didn't end at the crucifixion. The greatest thing about the crucifixion is that three days later, it led to life. It led to hope and it led to healing because three days later, Jesus Christ broke forth from the tomb. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. He defeated illness. And he is alive today. And when you call on his name, you'll be saved. Would you sell out to him? Commit to him? Fall at his feet like the one leper? I need you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I need you. You can do that today online. You can type, I choose Jesus in the comments. We'll connect with you. Just type it in the room, fill out a car or come tell any, I don't care, tell anybody. Sell out to him. You can't do it, Jesus already did. You're not good enough, you never will be. Jesus is. Let him heal you and make you new. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this place today. Church, I'm gonna pray for you. And as I pray, the lights can go down as I pray. Here's what I want to do. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins, pray and, and confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We've done confessing and you might want to do that today, but we're going to do praying today. So I'm going to pray for you. You can have a seat and I'm going to pray and then we're going to close this way. The band will just play some music like they're doing right now. And I would ask you, and we do this sometimes, to just pray 
with each other in your rows, in your immediate areas. I want you praying for each other. See, I want us to be a church where it's not the pastor ministering to the people. That's not a powerful church. A powerful church is when the body ministers to the body. And when we love each other and we pray for each other. And I want you praying for each other right now. Some of you, you're desperate for it. You're dying on the inside. You're hurting. You're struggling. That's why you're here. You let somebody pray for you. You don't have to share if you don't want to share, but you can if you want. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying for salvation. I'm praying for healing. And it's okay to pray for physical healing too. I'm not discounting that. You can pray for physical healing. That Jesus showed he, he physically healed many people. But I don't want you to ever think that's, that's the, the end game. That's never the end game. Ever. Because when you're healed in this life, you'll only get sick again. And you'll only die. I pray for spiritual healing in the lives of people. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I am blown away at your Holy Spirit. To think of the Father and His love. He loved all ten of those men. And His love for them, it didn't change when only one came back. He still loved them all. But the reality is, one of them got saved. I don't know about the other nine, God. I don't know the end of the story. I'll be curious when I go to heaven someday, Father. I'm going to ask you, oh, I'll meet the one for sure. But I wonder if the other nine ever, ever sold out to you, Father. I don't know. It's just a question that I have, and I think about it. But I can't control that. What we control is us today. And what you're doing in our hearts. There's people here today, they need healing. They need hope. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. God, as they pray together in about 45 seconds, I pray they get real and raw with each other. I pray they're not rushing to leave, that they will stay in your presence. You just lift each other up in prayer. Love each other as the body of Christ. And I pray that we never stop looking for the one. I pray we never stop searching for the one. Jesus, you had your eye on all ten. You wanted them saved. The healing was okay. But the saving part, that really excites you. And that excites us too, Father. Keep sending people. May we continually invite like we're just crazy about you. And may you continually do what only you can do through your bride, your church. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.